Hey, Connect family, Pastor Derek here. I just want to welcome you guys to our online service. If you're watching uh, locally at home, I just want to say so glad you're with us. Maybe you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or our online platform. You could even be far away. You might be in another part of the world. I want to welcome all of our viewers today to our special service. Listen, before we get going, um, I want to let you know that we're starting a new series and this series is going to run from Mother's Day all the way to Father's Day. And it's going to sound a little weird what I'm about to tell you. Um, but we are going to start a series uh, related to and connected to men. So yeah, I know. It's weird. We're going to talk about men on Mother's Day. But it'll make sense in just a couple of minutes. I want to really address what it means to be a man of God. Amen. And so I think this is going to bless you. Don't miss it. If you're a mom, get your son to watch this. If you're a wife, poke Poke the bear. Get him at church. You know, get him, get him in front of this series. It's going to help him in a big way. Um, as I get going, though, hey, listen, today's a special day. Uh, I don't know if you know it. And if you don't, you better run out to CVS real quick, gentlemen, because today is Mother's Day. The rack could be a little empty by now, so slim pickings, you might have to draw something or write something. I don't know the last time you did that. But I want to just give a shout out to all the moms out there and say happy Mother's Day to you. Special shout out to my best friend, my soulmate, uh, the mother of four beautiful children that we were able to raise. My wife, Stacy. happy Mother's Day, honey. And then of course, the super uh, you know, shout out to my mom, uh, the one who brought me into the world, Randa K. Fry, hey, I just want to say happy Mother's Day to mom. I'm proud to be your son, and um, I hope everybody was blessed by what you just shared uh, a few minutes ago. I know I was. Um, but anyway, I want to talk to you today as I get into the message. You can get your notes out, your Bibles out, wherever you are. We always say it, connect note takers or history makers. I want to talk to you about um, someone who's often overlooked, a woman who's often forgotten. And sometimes there are some great men and women, but in particular women of God who are often uh, not well known, often overlooked. And in this particular story that we're going to talk about, Exodus is where we're going to go. It doesn't even give her name in the story. In fact, her own son doesn't even mention her. We learn her name a little bit later. Uh, her bio is found like in the book of Numbers after that, but she this particular woman we're going to talk about is an unsung hero. This heroine um, gave birth to one of the greatest leaders in human history next to Jesus. She was the mother of Moses. Can you think about her name? Does anybody know it out there? Write it in the chat if you know her name. Most people don't know her name. Her name was Jochebed. Or if you were saying it with like a little bit of the Hebrew, Jochebed. Jochebed, Okay. I'm probably doing that terrible, but you know what? Work with me. But today's topic is about Jochebed, the mother you never knew. Now, Jochebed raised uh, three children, three type A personalities. And they were all, um, you know, powerful and, and they had unique gifts and they made mistakes and different things, but they were incredible leaders. In fact, her three children were responsible for the birthing of a nation. Can you imagine? Can you imagine her reward in heaven uh, for what and who she brought into the world? So our study um, is going to be primarily in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, for those of you who like to dig into that. And then we're going to give a little context and backstory from the book uh, of Exodus chapter 1. And 
but I'll say this kind of as I unpack some of the storyline. It's simply amazing to me. And I think if you look at your human experience up to this point in your life, how if God will let you use, if God will let, if you'll let God, excuse me, use you. In particular, if a woman lets God use her, she can make an incredible impact on a man's life. We saw that in the story of my mother to my father. And so it's incredible. Like you, you don't know what was going on behind the scenes. Thousands of people were touched uh, through my father's life. Generations after that, all through a woman kind of behind the scenes. That's really what's going on in this story as well. Nothing could be more true of the giant leader we know as Moses, but it was a result of a giant leader in mom whose name was Jochebed. And so here's my big idea as we go forward. Behind every great man, we could say is a great woman, but because it's Mother's Day, behind every great man, I believe is a great mom. Again, shout out to all the moms out there. Because sometimes a mom uh, has the capacity, if she can recognize it and, and accept it, she has the capacity to make a huge impact on the world through her children, even from the hub of her home, maybe even rarely leaving it, other than to go to the grocery store or school or run errands all over God's green earth. Even in those routines and responsibilities, she has the capacity to change the world through her children. It might not be because of her professional skills or education, though that is possible. Often she can provide what no man can provide, only she can. You know what that is? Motherhood. The capacity to nurture that little boy or that little girl in such a way that they can change the world forever. What does that look like? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. But let's get into the kind of the background for this incredible unsung hero. And again, it's from Exodus chapter 1. Now, let me give you what's going on and get you into the, the storyline a little bit. Um, Israel has come into Egypt, a prosperous empire. And they're there years before uh, the descendants of Abraham. Joseph uh, at one time had been the prince of Egypt. Many of you guys know the, the, the movie or the cartoon, but it comes from the Bible. Come on. And during that time when Joseph was there, the Israelites prospered. Not just Egypt, but so did, so did Israel. But there came a point in time, according to Scripture, that the accolades, the accomplishments, um, the influence of Joseph was forgotten. And now these foreign nationals who are in Egypt are, the Bible says, growing and multiplying and increasing. And the Egyptians became nervous, worried about them. Their multiplication exceeded Egypt's comfort. And you know what? Satan began to uh, use this to his advantage. He began to leverage this in such a way as to possibly destroy the people and ultimately the plan of God. In verse 8 of chapter 1 of Exodus, it says the new king, who it says, uh, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He said, look, the Israelites have become far too numerous. Come, we got to deal with them shrewdly, lest they become more numerous. And if war breaks out, they'll join the enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. Truth be told, and historically, this is simply not true. At that particular time, the Egyptians outnumbered the Israelites 10 to 1. But you know what? Prejudice has an uncanny ability to exaggerate the facts. 
And the enemy began to work. And in verse 11 it said, So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slave. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build cities, Python and Ramses, as supply centers for the king. Strong language here. Crushing them, brutal slave drivers, wear them down, uh, forced labor. These were some tough times for the people of God. These were very, very difficult times. Far worse than what we are experiencing here today. But I want, I'm saying that because I want you to see what happened and what can happen for us as well as we look to this story and as we look at the situation that they're in. In verse 12 it says, But the more the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, it says the more... They multiplied. Man, when I saw that in my Bible, of course, you know, if you're a part of Connect family, that pumped your pastor up because that's the word that God has given me for our church. That's our now vision right now. We're not, um, you know, focused as much on what or how we're going to do it. Our why is that we multiply. And so in these difficult times, the people of God, this will preach somebody, the people of God multiplied. Do you receive that out there? If you receive that, I want you to write that in the chat. I want you to say amen. I want you to come throw some emojis up there. But often, often oppression comes to increase our faith. Often God uses the distresses of humanity to increase our commitment, our trust in God. And in, 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 in so doing, the enemy typically overplays his hand because persecution, trial, and testing seeds our faith. So verse 13, the Egyptians worked the people without mercy. These tough times continued. And then there was this culminating attack of the enemy through the Pharaoh's edict. And the king had this new plan to, to put a stop payment to the multiplication. And he decides to kill all the newborn baby boys. And he tells all the midwives, that's, how, that, that's who and how the babies came into this world was with the support of these Hebrew midwives. He says, whenever you see a baby coming in that happens to be a boy, you are to kill, slay that baby, and throw it into the Nile. Well, the midwives who feared God, the Bible said, disobeyed the king's orders. Now, that had to be scary to do that, but they feared God more than they feared man. We'll come back to that later. And so the king calls them into question. The Pharaoh's like, what are you guys doing? And the midwives said, well, listen, Hebrew king, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are lively and they give birth before the midwives even get there. Now, I was reading in the commentary, and it said they probably lied. But it said in the commentary, when you lie to a liar, it's not so much of a lie. That was just kind of an interesting take. But what was true in this story was these babies were being born, and there was an increase, and there was multiplication, and sons were coming to the earth. And I believe a sign of the blessing of God is when children are born. Can I have an amen out there? Children are a blessing from God. The Bible says children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb are his reward. Unfortunately, the world doesn't see it like that so much today. Sometimes the world, many see children kind of as a curse, you know, as a, as a ball and chain, as just problems to, to be avoided. And, and so we have, a, we, have a, we have a generation, many of which don't want to even have kids, don't want to bring kids into the world, want to avoid having kids, but they have no problem staying kids. <laughs> okay, I'll move on. But they, they may not uh, want to have them, 
Uh, but then if they do, they don't want to be responsible for them. Hey, mom and dad, can you raise them? And, and, and not, of course, any of you out there. I'm sure none of you are in this category. But uh, sometimes we get mad at our kids. Sometimes we get mad at these spoiled, indulgent uh, brats. But we raise them. And so we're sometimes not taking responsibility for them. But in this story, the families thrived. They thrived under this difficult oppression. Now, amidst all of this distress and oppression, our main character emerges, Jochebed and her husband, Amram. So I want to give you quickly seven lessons from Jochebed, an incredible mom, okay? Number one, here's what it says. Number one is Jochebed had faith for her family in the middle of a crazy world, or as I like to say, a crazy nuts world. In um, Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, it says, about this time. What does that mean? It means what we just talked about in Exodus 1. This season that we're in the middle of injustice, in the middle of oppression, in the middle of poverty, in the middle of fear. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi decided to get married. Now, it doesn't even mention their name, but that's who it is. And it gets revealed later on. But think about it today. Many... Are, are so afraid because the world is so bad. People are trying to find uh, exclusive places where they can live and buy land and live off the land so they don't have to um, have any interplay with the world or interaction uh, with the world because there's so much evil. People have determined, I can't have a family. I can't be married. I can't bring children to this dark world. And on one side of the equation, I get it. Okay, but even though it's extremely dark uh, and people could have made these decisions, God has called many of you. And I believe there are many that will listen to this message later where he's called you to find a life partner, to come together and to have a family. And why is that so important? Because God's solution to deal with the darkness that's in the world is through children of light. Come on. God's solution to deal with darkness in the world is to bring children of light into the world. Amen and amen. And so as you raise them and as you train them, they may veer for a little while. May they go off course for a little bit. But if you stay the course, they will change their course in time and influence others um, for good, ultimately. Number two, write this down. Jochebed, she feared God more than Pharaoh. She feared God more than, than man, ultimately. Hebrews eleven twenty three says, and they were not afraid, this is speaking of the parents, to disobey the king's commands. They weren't, af she wasn't afraid to disobey a king? How would you be in that situation? Put yourself in her shoes in these circumstances. Would you disobey the king? This is how much she valued life. What would happen if in our world today and in the Christian church, we valued life the way Jochebed did? Notice Moses' behavior later. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. In fact, he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Because of her lack of fear and her father's lack of fear of the king, Moses, in turn, was not afraid of the king either. And this is so important. Listen to me. Because, because why? Because what you fear, you serve. If you fear God first, you'll serve God first in those moments. If you fear something else, that's what you will follow. 
truth be told, we are to obey the laws of man, except when they violate the laws of God. And if we're going to, at times, have to make such a decision, it will require bold faith. When you think about different characters in the Bible, different people in the Bible, uh, in the book of uh, Daniel, Daniel was an incredible, fearless man of God. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, he learned that the king, uh, because there was this plot to destroy Daniel, and these people manipulated the king into signing an edict that we could only worship his great raven image and no other gods and the king was 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 duped and uh, but he had to keep his word and the bible says that when daniel heard of it in daniel chapter 6 verse 10 he did what he did every day he he did what was ordinary for him he went home he got down on his knees he opened his window he uh faced um, the Jerusalem, and he began to pray as he did three times a day, regardless of the king's edict. Follow the story and see how and what the results were because he feared God. In uh, Acts chapter 5, Peter and the apostles were instructed by the religious, discontinue, stop praying, excuse me, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And they say, hey, listen, um, we, though you've given us these strict orders, we must obey God rather than human authority. Follow the story. See what happened. Look at the thousands of people that were saved. And in this very story, Exodus chapter 1, the midwives defied the orders of the king and Israel multiplied and increased. Follow the story. Look what happened. So if Moses, listen, did not fear God, he would not have fulfilled his purpose. But he learned how to fear God from his mom, from Jochebed. Number three. Isn't this good? Is everybody getting something out of this right now? Okay. So number three, Jochebed protected her son from real danger. She protected her son from real danger. Okay. I want to make sure we focus on that word real. Not fake. Not, you know... Low-level stuff. We're talking about real danger. Exodus 2, verse 2, the second half of the verse, it says, And they kept him hidden for three months. So when this edict went out to kill all the newborn baby boys, they hid him. They protected him. And this must have been an incredibly scary, difficult, dangerous time to be alive. Boys could be slaughtered. If you had been found out as a parent, you would be killed too during this time. But her determination... To keep her son alive was so important, and I, and I think she saw something that many of us probably wouldn't see. This is not some helicopter mom, come on everybody, watching every little thing and, and, and making sure he's safe. And what Helicopter moms are like afraid of exposure. They're not really of things externally, not things so much necessarily internally. Today's helicopter mom is preoccupied with being exposed on the, I don't want to get too much UV rays don't want to get too much you know lactose in his diet not easy up we don't want to have too much gluten it's gonna hurt your stomach you know gotta be careful god forbid you fall down without your knee pad you get a little bit of dirt in your mouth Listen, that's not, Jochebed wasn't protecting her son like that. Uh, she was very strategic. She wasn't like overkill. I'm probably going to get a lot of emails and DMs from this, so I probably should stop. But, but I will say one more thing. The real danger, the real danger is, uh, is, that, is not that your kids don't get the same shoes the other kids get. The real danger is not that your kids don't get equal time on their soccer field. The real danger, moms, is their friends. 
So you have to pay attention, police, monitor, be involved in what's going on in their little relational world because that's the thing that can take them down. That's the thing that can sideline them in a big way. So one more thing, one more problem that we have to be careful for is this. It's the iPhone, right? It's the iPhone. This, I think, a modern translation connected to an old definition would be, this is like the, this is the connection to the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't it interesting that on the back of this phone is a little apple with a bite out of it? See, you need to be careful as moms and dads, but in particular moms, because you're more attentive to what's going on. This, if they can't filter good from evil, if they take a bite out of knowledge and good and evil and they're not prepared for it, you need to make sure that you take that apple away. Are you with me, everybody? See, this can be very, very dangerous and you need to be very, very careful as moms and dads. You might have, you know, you're going to have to go through some tests with this. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to listen to them say, you know, I hate you. I can't believe you're taking my phone away from me. You're so unfair. This is so unjust. You know, everybody else has a phone. And, and you ever heard, you know, kids like, all my friends. Has anybody ever heard that? All my friends have them. All my friends have them. Well, all you got to say is, that's great. All your friends have them, but all your friends don't live in this house. All your friends aren't under this roof. All your friends aren't paying rent here. Clothing you, feeding you, taking care of you, providing for you. And you're like, and if, if they get all angry, you know, they'll say, I can't wait to get out of here. Oh no, don't get afraid because they're not going anywhere. That's not the trend right now. Kids aren't leaving the home. Kids never leave the home today. They're in, there's an issue there today. Trust me, they're not leaving. And if they do leave, a lot of them come back. I live long enough to see that. So <laughs> this, is, this is especially true today. Kids don't want to leave because they don't want to grow up. Kids don't want to leave, but they do want to be in charge in your house. They want to run the house. They don't necessarily want to leave it. And all the junior hires and high school kids that are listening right now hate my guts. Okay, don't love me so much. But anyway, here's the point. What is the point? Because I got sidelined. See, she saved him from Pharaoh. And because of that, he saved them. He, he saved all of Israel from him. See, because she saved him from Pharaoh, later he saved all of Israel. Number four, if you're still taking notes, Jochebed raised three rock star, strong leaders who birthed a nation. Amram and Jochebed had faith in these dark, difficult times, have a family, and they raised these three incredible kids. Numbers 26, 59 talks about this. It just unpacks all the kids they had. Miriam was the oldest, then Aaron, and then baby Moses. Baby Moses comes in a really difficult time. Aaron was about three years older than, than Moses. Not sure how much older Miriam was, but she was the oldest sister. And, and I believe that, that Jochebed and Amram decided to have a baby in the middle of these difficult times. I personally believe because God put something in their hearts, but probably in particular the mom's hearts. And some of you that are out there, listen, follow your heart over Logic. I'm not saying throw wisdom out the door, okay? But if God puts something in your heart, trust him. Trust him. There's a purpose behind that. Because children aren't just some biological entity. Children have and are destinies. They're destinies, okay? And so, um, you know, Jochebed has these kids. Uh, Miriam, she was in Exodus 15, 20. 
She was a prophet. She was a worship leader. Uh, she played the tambourine. She would sing. She used to have this song. We used to sing it when we were in church years ago. I don't know if I can still do it. I'm embarrassed. But it was like, sing to the Lord. He has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Thy right hand is glorified in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, scattered the foes. And then she'd bring them all in, sing to the Lord. All these people come in. So she was a prophetess. She would rehearse victories from the past. She would lead them in worship. And Aaron, the Bible says um, in um, Exodus chapter 4, that he could speak well, that he was a skilled communicator, and that he could be the spokesman to the people for Moses. Moses would speak to Aaron, and Aaron would speak to the people. He would, in essence, be the mouthpiece. And so uh, Jochebed raised these incredible um, A-type powerful leaders. And what's interesting is they all operated in and knew their gifts. So I believe moms, your job is to help discover, develop, and deploy the gifts of your children. Number four, Jochebed, I love this point. Jochebed was strategic with her children. Exodus 2.4 says, uh, look at this. This is when um, uh, Jochebed decides to put Moses in the river. It says the baby's sister stood at a distance watching to see what would happen. So now baby Moses, as you know, you probably, hopefully you know the story. He's in this little basket made from reeds. And she kind of guides this, this little basket down the river. And then Miriam watches from a distance. It says soon the Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river. They probably watched the patterns there. And her attendant walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket amongst the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. The princess opened it up, saw the baby, and the baby was probably, you know, just beautiful, but the little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him, and, and she said, this must be one of the Hebrew children. Now, she knew her father was killing baby boys, by the way, and it says, then the baby's sister, the baby's sister, that's Miriam, approached the princess, so she had to be nearby, and she basically says, should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Oh, yeah, that would be a great idea. Yes, do that. So the girl went and called the baby's mother, Jochebed, take this baby, the princess said, and nurse him for me. I will pay you for your help. She even gets a job. So the woman took the baby home and nursed him. See, I believe she might not have known how it was all going to happen, but I believe Jochebed was strategic. Jochebed had a plan. She knew these dangerous times. I think she was a little crafty, actually. Um, she knew that to the Egyptians, the Nile was the source of life. It was like a god. And she knew that if she put the baby in the Nile, that the sister, um, and had the sister there alongside, that maybe she could orchestrate a connection near the prince's house. And she believed that the princess's mother instinct would kick in, and she'd feel bad for the baby and want to take care of it. Bam, it happened just as she planned and as she desired. And then the sister Miriam provides a solution, uh, how to nurse the baby, take care of the baby. I think she's guiding all this. And then she gets paid to nurse her own child. That's incredible. She had a plan to influence her son. You got to be strategic with your kids, moms. This stuff, great relationships, great leaders, great men and women of God, they don't happen by accident. They happen on purpose. Number five. Uh, this point ties to the last one. Uh, Jochebed loved her son enough 
to let him leave. To, she loved him enough to let him go, you could say, even when it was too soon, seemingly. See, Ephesians 2.10 says, later when the boy was, it's really a little older, he wasn't old, he was just older, his mother brought him back after being nursed, weaned, to Pharaoh's daughter, and she adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him up out of the water. Now, moms, only you can understand this. I can only describe it. But I don't think there's any instinct so powerful as the one when you're holding on to your kids. You, and it's not just a physical expression. It is a value. You just want to hold on to your kids as long as you can. You will fight for them. You will protect them. You will keep them near. It's that mother bear thing. This is especially true when you're close to your kids. There's a picture of me with Maddie that's going to appear right now. This is my middle daughter, Madison. And not too long ago, she moved away from home. This was the final moments of my daughter leaving the house. Even just thinking about it gets me emotional. I remember just, this is my last kind of hug in a sense. It's not, but it felt like that. It was a big deal. She was leaving the roof. She was coming out from underneath the physical home. But in a sense, she was, we, were, we were giving her wings. And it was hard. And I'm a dad, but for a mom... It's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother thing. Now, there are some kids, as they grow up, you're thinking to yourself, they couldn't leave fast enough, right? You got some 16-year-olds out there, and you're just like, God, you know, is it time yet? Is it time yet? But for many of us, this is very difficult. And from early in life, Moses was raised um, as an Egyptian with power, with privilege, with with education, with, with opportunity uh, to advance. And yet somehow, listen, somehow he knew who he really was. He knew who he really was. And that's our number six principle. She instilled Jochebed his true identity in Moses, in her child. Hebrews 11, 24 and 25 says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called by the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. So even though he had been raised with all this opportunity, all this ability to advance, to become even a prince of Egypt, somehow his true identity, that he was a Hebrew, that he was an Israelite, that he was a part of the family of God, he knew who he really was. How did this happen? Jacobet, his mom. Perhaps it was uh, bedtime rituals and daily affirmations. Um, you know, my grandson, he has this, both of them actually, two of my grandsons, uh, Zion and Hudson, they have these nighttime affirmations. And you'll see these right now, but it's the cutest thing to be able to observe and watch them go through this. Just check this out. And right in my love. And they follow the word of Jesus and the leader of men. Or perhaps it's the songs that the moms, you as moms, have sung over your children each night or when you're trying to get them to go to bed or take a nap. Perhaps it's the strong moments of Though there, there's love, there's, there's correction. In fact, they're one and the same. And you're telling your son to stop acting like that. Christians don't act like that. And young men and young women don't act like that. Or maybe it's, you know, as they're going off to school, you'd say one more time, remember who you are. And I remember turning around and saying, yes, I remember, I'm a fry and I'm a child of God. Those get deep down inside you. And this happened for Moses. And so when it really mattered, 
when it was really necessary to know who you are. His true identity emerged in this uh, giant of a leader. Moses, this giant leader emerges, but it wasn't without a giant effort from his mom making sure he knew who he was. Moms, do not underestimate your efforts for ultimately they'll bring about the person that God had designed them to be in the beginning. And last but not least, my favorite point of all, number seven, Jochebed saw something special in her child. Hebrews 11.23 says, speaking of the mom and dad, they saw that God had given them an unusual child. One translation says that this was no ordinary child. According to the book of Josephus, which I rarely quote, but it's a historical book, not a canonized book, but it basically says that Moses was a head turner. He was this large, big baby, but he was beautiful. In fact, when he would go by, people would stop and stare, and they want to see this baby. It would call attention to him. And there were other interesting facts that Josephus revealed. Uh, It revealed that there were several prophecies during this time when Moses had been been born. In fact, he was, it was said that there was a Hebrew that would be born to deliver the, the Egyptian, excuse me, to deliver the uh, Israelites from the Egyptians. And even a prophecy, or I, I should say a dream, came to Moses' father, Amram. And it said, that the dream was, he shall be concealed, this baby, and protected from the destroyer, and would in turn deliver the nation from distress under the Egyptians. That's amazing. Josephus records this. But what's more interesting to me, really, is what the Bible records, that Jochebed and Amram, they saw something special. I believe it was more her than him. I think he just gets credit for it. This word saw in the original language means to perceive. It means to discern a vision, to discern a vision. The word unusual, I was digging into that in my uh, kind of Logos app, and it, it, it means this. It means that this boy was more like of the city. He was urban, elegant, refined. Uh, he had talents of a different type, kind of like if you were in corporate, like C-suite talents. And back then, there were people of the field, people of the farm, but there were also people of the city. And estios was the word in Hebrew. And, and so these people were business people. They were, uh, they were politicians. They were financers. They were entertainers. They were people who would be or who were highly successful. They were kind of metro, as it were. And, 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 and you know, you know there's sometimes there's, there's country mice and there's city mice, right? There's these distinctions. And so mom saw that her boy was destined for great things. And there's something that about a mom, and there's something about you, moms that are listening right now, that you can see some things that nobody can see. Jochebed perceived, discerned destiny in her son. She knew her job was uh, more than breastfeeding, diaper changing, and cleaning the mucus off his face. She knew he was more, again, than a biological entity, but that he had a destiny. Guys, we don't see that. Guys, don't see destiny we see dollars we see dollars we see how expensive it's going to be but moms are intuitive she discerned her son was destined for greatness and I want you to know your children moms your children are destined for greatness I want to challenge you don't let go of your dreams for your children don't stop praying for your children don't give up or shrink back in regards to your kids they may wander Moses did for 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, They may uh, make big mistakes. Moses did. He murdered an Egyptian. They may have big problems or disabilities. Moses did. 
He had trouble speaking. But listen, uh, they can go so far away from the way you raised them, from the way uh, you seemingly trained them. But on the backside of the desert, one day, Moses confronts and experiences a burning bush. And God gets a hold of him. And he was on fire for God from that day forward. Don't ever give up on your children, moms. There's something that God wants to do through them. I want you to turn to somebody near you and say, God's not done with my babies. God's not done with my children. Come on, say it. God's not done with my son. God's not done with my daughter. God has a destiny for my children. Amen? In closing, let me say this. What you do for your child, moms, now, what you do right now, what you do in these days, these difficult days, could influence more than you could ever imagine in the future. Take courage. Uh, be strengthened from my mom's story. Look at uh, a generation after generation after generation. Because of her faith, my father found faith. Because of his faith, I found faith. Because of my faith, my son, my children found faith as well. You can be doing something that goes way beyond you, and I believe it's possible today. Now, I want to pray for you wherever you are. I'd like you to just join me. Um, and let's just ask God to seal this word and encourage uh, you in your soul. And I pray you have divine recall one day. Father, in Jesus' name, for every person who is within the sound of my voice, in particular, any mom, any woman who is struggling out there, who gets discouraged, who looks at her circumstances, who looks at the distress and the difficulties all around her. I pray that this story would be more than a story, but it would come alive. It would be a part of their story. Lord, I pray that it would encourage them, not on the outside, but on the inside. Give them faith, Lord, like Jochebed. Give them faith to trust God no matter what. Lord, I pray that they not give up, that they not shrink back. I pray that you would even accelerate these prayers because we are living in the last days. And I pray that, that these children would come home, these prodigals would come home, that these children who are home would get out of the home and find their purpose and the plan of God for their life. And, and these children that are kind of going after other things would go after the things of God. I pray that you use moms and all those deposits that have been made, all those investments that have been made, all those prayers and petitions that have been offered, none of them would fall to the ground. They all would bear fruit in Jesus' name. Now, if you're far from God today and you have not made a personal decision to be in relationship with him, there's, not, there's, no, there's, no, there's no chances. This isn't just happenstance that you're listening right now. And the Spirit of God is drawing you to himself. I want to encourage you to surrender to Jesus. Because you know what? You can't have uh, a destiny until you meet the one who decides your destiny, who determined your destiny, who predestined your life and plan. So I want to introduce you to him, and his name is Jesus. And if you would, I want to pray with you. And I believe he's speaking to some of you right now. So would you just say this with me? Would you just say, Jesus? Come on, say it right out loud. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life right now. I choose of my own free will to give up the wheel of my life, to stop being in control and release control to you. I trust you with my life now and my eternity. I repent of my sins. I surrender everything to you that is, that is a part of me and everything that I had planned, I turn it over to you. And I believe and I trust and I know on the inside that your plans are good for me. 
and your plans are to prosper me. And I receive that by faith right now in Jesus' name. Now listen, if you just prayed that prayer, there's somebody that wants to pray with you online. You can just join them in the chat. If you prayed that prayer out loud, sincerely from your heart, you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, the Bible says you're saved. I want to encourage you to raise your hand right online and say, that was me. I just made a decision to receive Jesus because we want to help you on your journey. We want to help you take that next step because that's only one step in the journey. It's the most important one, but now to live it out, you need help and we want to come alongside with you. I want to send you a book that's going to help you on your journey. In case we never saw each other again, I would hate for you to kind of go out in life and not have a resource. And we have a book that we want to send you. So would you text us at CC Saved to 97,000? CC Saved to 97,000. It's right there on the screen right now. And we're going to send you a resource. It's going to help you on your journey. I pray that you don't leave this experience. If you need prayer, somebody wants to pray with you. They're very skilled to do so. And it's very confidential. Hey, listen. I hope this is ministered to you. Moms, I hope you're encouraged. Share this. Give this away. Tell somebody else uh, about this message. And, and, and I pray that it multiplies not only in your life, but in the lives of many to come. God bless you guys. I will see you real soon.